Good morning and welcome to the Black Pill Radio Show. I'm your host, Mr. Tyler. And today's topic, we are talking about what black men need to know. And we're going to be sharing advice based on our experiences with black men, our fathers, and so forth. I have a very large panel today, so there's going to be a lot of different people chiming in. Um, and I'm going to let them introduce themselves one by one. So we will start with Alicia. Hi, good morning. My name is Alicia Kinchlow. I'm an attorney and business owner out of the Philadelphia region. Um, I primarily focus on family law uh, with a heavy um, focus in father's rights. And additionally, I also, like I said, practice uh, business law. Thank you for having me on the show. Thank you. And Tashar? Good morning. I am Tashar Bryant, and I am the author of From Welfare to Queen and an entrepreneur with JMS Investors and Consultation, where we help people with businesses expand and help people who want to start their businesses grow. Excellent. Next up is Nikki. Hi, everyone. My name is Nikki. I hail from the DMV area. I am a political by day and then a podcast host by night. Um, I am one-third of the Remedy podcast where we talk about politics, faith, beauty, and all those good things. And then I also um, have my own lifestyle blog, theurbantea.com. So I'm glad to have um, been joined on the panel today. Thank you for having me. Thank you. And Taiwan? Hello, my name is Taiwan McLittle. I am an actor and a fitness trainer. Uh, I have been in business for myself, training for at least 15 years now. So, And uh, thank you for having me on the show. And last but not least, Mr. Malcolm. Uh, my name is Malcolm from uh, Baltimore. Currently, uh, excuse me. Banker by day, single dad by night. Thank you for having me on the show as well. Thank you. And I know, Tashaw, you had uh, had two other brothers. I have one of them calling in, but I'm not sure if this is him. So we're going to take a quick check on that. Tashaw, what are the two brothers' names? Okay. That would be Mr. Eric Lickett and Mr. Justin from You Are Creators. All right. So is Eric on the line with us? Is Justin yes, on the I line? Yes, I am. This you? is uh, Mr. Lickett. Got you. All right, Eric. Pencil you in. So, Eric, please introduce yourself to the audience. Yes, my name is uh, Eric Leggett, and I, I am the co-founder of Good Fatherhood Forever. And also, I'm also a published author. I have several books on Amazon.com. One in particular is I Won in Family Court, So Can You, uh, designed to educate and empower Excellent. So we're going to be talking about what black men need to know, advice for our fathers. It's a very vague topic. It's going to cover a lot of different things based on family, business, education, spirituality, and more. Um, I want you guys to speak about your life experiences with being raised by black men, working with black men, dating black men, being in business in black men, and anything else you guys want to join in. Um, add to the topic. I want to start with Tashar because um, I know we talked, we know each other personally, so I know you have a lot of advice for the brothers out there and you're raising two brothers as well. So we're just going to keep it very vague. What does that mean to you? What does it mean to you when we say, what do black men need to know? Wow. Good morning, Tyler. Good morning, everyone, panelists and everyone listening. Thank you for having 
being on your show, Tyler, although we are friends, as you stated, it is an honor. It means to me that what black men need to know, basically, it's all positive affirmations when it comes to me. I've been raised by father figures, my dad, and with that, we like like boys fall in love with their moms, the first loves, for the most part. I fell in love with all my male figures that were available to me. They were strong. I had an uncle. He's no longer with us in this lifetime. He's moved on to his next journey. And uh, basically, he was a engineer for Long Island Railroad. He came up with a lot of inventions that you see today. And he taught me with his, the skills, the born skills he had, to be creative, to be creative and share my creativities with other people. Um, growing up, like, uh, I had also friends in the neighborhood of Washington Heights, uh, Wild Wild West, Sugar Hill, a rough neighborhood. So that's Harlem. And with those friends, they still were in school. We went to Catholic school. We all had goals together, and we checked on each other. So when it came to, you know, like crushes, I, I wasn't allowed to date. But when it came to crushes, you know, I had some good resources and guys to look at. They were very headstrong, goal-oriented. So in my book, From Welfare to Queen, uh, as the other brother said, it could be bought on Amazon.com or to Shar, T-O-S-H-A-R.net, where you would get an autographed copy of my book, From Welfare to Queen, I expressed how I went on my journey as adolescent, and I just totally did the opposite <laughs> and dated the opposite of what I saw. So um, it got me into a lot. I got myself into a lot of interesting uh, journeys, but through that, I was victorious. Um, my journey just led me to homelessness with my three children while pregnant. And during this journey, I managed to put myself through college while I was on public assistance, and I graduated. So basically, my book was created to empower and inspire others on their journey towards success as well, despite, you know, getting into hiccups in life. So I know you like mentioned positive affirmation. I know you mentioned being creative. Mm-hmm. Um, are those like the two powerful messages you want to say to black men? Absolutely, because as I stated in the beginning, that was my foundation, positive affirmation for black men, is that, you know, you are the first example for a female uh, looking as to what it is to be in a relationship with a man that she chooses, you know, in her future. Positive affirmations of you are admired, you, you are the kings, you are the ones we look towards for guidance and to teach us what to look for in a good black man. So, like I said, I chose a distant path, you know, early in life, although I knew what it was when I came back as an adult. I still had that information with me to, to go back on. And like I said, for my uncle, being an example for the guys I grew up with in my neighborhood, being an example. And I just want to send that out to all the brothers. When it comes to business, relationships, family, you are the king. You are the head of the household. You are that strong business figure that the boys and girls look up to and I would just love to see more of that and network with people 
who are supporting that positive vibe. Got you. So we're coming to Alicia. Alicia, when we talk about what black men need to know, um, what message would you like to leave for the brothers? So for from my perspective, um, I mean, my father is probably one of the most important people in my life. And when people ask me about who I am most inspired by, it definitely is my father. Um, I'm definitely a, a daddy's girl. Um, but the other thing that I kind of focus on is is seeing how, as a family law attorney, a lot of men come to me often through their significant others or their mothers um, and expressing a lot of frustration, anger, sadness about how they don't receive the same shake with regard to fighting for custody, um, with regard to their children, or dealing with issues of child support. And um, at the very foundation of that is just a distrust of the justice system when it comes to black men. So my purpose um, in my community, period, and not just with the law, is to make sure that we're providing information, providing resources, that we're making things easier for the people that are coming behind us. So I do a lot of work with Father's Rights, and what I really want men to know is that you that there are people out there willing to help you, that there are organizations, that there are people like myself who will do what they can to make sure that we argue and advocate for you, and not just black women, but also there are other black men who are doing it. There are other men who are doing it, period. So I just want people to know that resources are out there, that there are platforms that are built fundamentally just on that, and that most of it comes from making sure that you are aware of what your rights are um, when it comes to legal matters. And it's educating yourself and educating others about those things, and that's what my practice definitely does is um, provide workshops for free to fathers, making sure that they're aware of what the rules are, because I cannot tell you how often it is that I sit down with these gentlemen and say, this is what's supposed to happen. This is what's supposed to use the factors that must be considered in a custody case. And none of them know that, or none of them feel like they ever heard any of this, or that several of these factors were definitely in their favor, and that's not what happened in court. So for me, it's about empowerment and empowerment through knowledge and access to resources and information. Excellent. And I'm going to come to Mr. Eric. So what do black men need to know? Well, there's so much um, that they need to know. There's different things that I've been working on. I'm, I'm also an educator, so I'm very passionate about education. I, I believe that men have to become more involved in their children's education. They have to become more aware of what their children are doing on a day-to-day basis uh, in class. But not only becoming aware of that, um, but also you know, reinforcing whatever they learn during the day uh, at home, spend at least 15 to 20 minutes a day just reinforcing whatever they learn uh, during that particular school day. Um, and the second thing is for those men out there that are involved in these different uh, child support visitation custody cases, they're going to have to take a more active role in their own situation. In other words, uh, a lot of men seem to just rest on attorneys, and there are great attorneys out there, but then they, I have seen with my own eyes, I've experienced that there are attorneys out there that just do it for the money, and they do not tell these men everything they need to know as far as their rights. 
I went through a situation like that over uh, 15 years ago. Um, and, and through my new program, Good Fatherhood Forever, um, we are trying to create a support system for these men. Uh, something that I'm very concerned about is, is the, the increase in violence uh, in regards to the child support visitation and custody-related cases where uh, a lot of women are being harmed and a lot of their own children are being harmed. And men have to learn coping mechanisms and and know how to deal with the frustrations of a separation and divorce type of case. So I would say those are the two things that I, I'm focusing on right now from a personal standpoint um, in my life right now. Excellent. So I'm going to come to Taiwan. What does it mean to you when we talk about what black men need to know? Wow, that's uh, that's loaded. But if I had to choose, I'm going to say branding. I'm going to say understanding narrative and who who controls the narrative and knowledge of self. And what I mean by that is my perspective. I grew up in Detroit, Michigan, uh, one of the most segregated cities in America. Uh, my father was a championship boxer, and we lived uh, on the nice side of town until he was shot five times in front of me. So those events led to me being homeless, led to my mother having to do things to feed us while we were homeless. Eventually, uh, by the grace of the universe, I ended up in the care of my foster grandparents, me and my mother, who took us in off the street and uh, was the savior in a way, but a lot of time, but in a lot of ways, also the uh, detriment to my growth. And what I mean by that is they were very religious and what, uh, what that happens, what that means sometimes as a black man, if we don't have knowledge of self, we, we grew up in America, and when I was taught by the apostolic faith that uh, somehow my skin color was a curse. You know, religiously, there's a doctrine that goes with certain faiths that, that teach that we come from the tribe of Ham, and Ham is associated with all these bad things. Now, as a child, I was intelligent enough and analytical enough to be able to understand what this meant. And... I couldn't articulate it then, but now when I look at it, it did make me, it, it, it conflicted me. I felt conflicted. And uh, because of the events, my, when my father did come back into my life, I had to pretty much raise him because he was uh, paraplegic. And so uh thing I would, when I say the knowledge of self, there was a doctor down the street, lawyer down the street. None of those people reached out to me. So... There was a thing where the streets taught me how to survive, and I didn't understand knowledge of self-branding or narrative until I married my wife. My wife is an Asian woman. So, I, unfortunately, I had to learn those skills very late in life. Uh, unfortunately, that led me to prison, and then it was in prison where I lost religion, and I began to seek more knowledge of self. I understood branding, meaning as black people, as black men, we are a brand. As black men or black people, black women included, we dictate what people like, what people and, and corporations use us as a brand to sell their products. So once I understood branding, uh, I could not consciously uh, work for someone else uh, without a plan. And as far as narrative, uh, hip-hop paints a certain kind of narrative to black men. And uh, 
because I didn't understand narrative and who controls the narrative, I felt, in a way, pit in the position where I had to fulfill this type of image of being a, a, a gangster or a thug. And I find that with raising my sons over here, in, uh, I'm in Canada, Windsor, Ontario, a place where you don't really expect to see a lot of racism and things of that nature. Uh, and it's not as uh, deep, deeply rooted as it is in America. However, the narrative that people see, this, this narrative of the black man as this thug or this gangster, has affected my kids. And uh, so they're one of the only kids in their school that have, have a hue to them. And they get pit into these narratives. And innocently enough, because these are kids, but who controls the narrative is the issue, I will say. Got it. So I'm going to come to Miss Nikki. What does it mean when we talk about what black men need to know? Um, so that is like, I know everyone feels this. It's like, wow, that's such a loaded question, right? There's mm-hmm. so many things I think we as a black people need to know. But if I had to pinpoint anything with just my relationship to black men, working with black men, um, being raised by um, a black man. My parents were divorced, uh, but my father has always been and continues to be in my life. I call him at least once a week and cry to him about advice, just like uh, Pamela said before. I am definitely a daddy's girl. <laughs> but something that I've noticed uh, with my uh, political activism or just through the podcast, uh, toxic masculinity is one for sure. I think that's something we need to, black men need to be careful of, um, especially with seeking mental help, uh, going to a therapist. I think that's very important. Um, Not, just like the gentleman said before about branding, you don't have to be this super macho, super aggressive, super, um, because black men are naturally just strong. You don't have to project all of that. And sometimes that's just a cry for for help and some. And it's okay that, you know, you need to go see someone, a therapist or anything like that. And one other thing I would say is also um, I think it's imperative that black men protect black women. I think um, a lot of the media have has made it seem that uh, black women, we are strong and we are independent. and uh, But we do, we do need help and we do need um we need even our own men to recognize the beauty within us and um, standing up for us. Uh, for example, I went to the Women's March last year, um, and what shocked me the most is that I looked around, I saw Asian men, I saw Hispanic men, and I saw maybe just a few black men, and I'm just like, oh. And so I asked my friends, I'm like, so why didn't you guys come? I asked you guys to come. They're like, oh, we didn't think it was for us. And I'm like, um, but it's for women. <laughs> They're like, yeah, but I didn't think it was for us. I'm like, okay. So I think we all need to do a better job in uh, community, uh, especially our black men, you know, protect your daughters, protect your wives, protect your women and within your community. So I think that's like the biggest thing I would want to pass along. Mental yeah. health and protecting community. Got it. Last but not least, Mr. Malcolm, what does it mean when we talk about what black men need to know? Uh, I agree with 99.9% of what the panelists all said. I mean, I, you know, a lot of those things apply to myself. 
like I said before, I came in the call, I am a single father, and I I believe one of young ladies said a lot of these men, myself included, are too educated on their rights and dealing with the child support and the custody. I believe you do have to know yourself as one of the gentlemen said. You have to, not only that, know, know that the woman isn't your enemy and know who she is before you decide to become one. But that is a very difficult question. There's, you know, I think that there's nothing else that I could add to that topic specifically. Got it. All right. So I'm going to move on to the next thing and I'm going to come to Mr. Eric. So when we talk about fatherhood and I want to get into uh, specifically fatherhood, um, be real specific, get to the point, give me one one thing that I can list because I'm going to build a list off of this program. So give me one thing that I can list down when we talk about fatherhood and black men that black men should definitely be doing. You said one thing? Yes. Hello? You said one thing? Yes. Give me one thing that black men should be doing right now when it comes to fatherhood being a dad. Consistent. Consistency? Consistent. He has to be consistency. He has to be consistent in all of his efforts. Um, consistency, uh, it, it, it takes many forms. He has to be consistent with his words. I'm the dad of, of three beautiful young ladies. And one thing that I am extremely proud of is that, and my oldest is 24, they have never heard me say anything degrading or humiliating about them. In other words, they've never heard me say dumb, stupid, none of those words. And I'm very cognizant of words because words have power. So I made that choice and decision that whenever I became upset, and it's, it's very funny, and I'll share this quick story with you. One, uh, my youngest daughter said, "Daddy, what do you do when you go in the bedroom and you just close the door?" I said, "I'm, I'm, I'm de-escalating." So what does that mean? I'm calming down. She says, "Well, why?" I said, "Because when when you become upset with someone, you're prone to say things that has nothing to do with what the situation was about." So I would say consistency. So, Miss Alicia, I'm coming to you. When it comes to fatherhood, raising children, um, what advice do you have for black men? Um, so the advice I give, and I, I want to say, too, that, you know, I'm not an expert. And I think as parents, we're always still figuring it out. And as the climate continues to change, what it means to be a parent and how you parent has to continue to change with it. Um, I'm a mother of three boys, so I take that into consideration when I do the work that I do as a lawyer and focusing on fathers. But what I, one of the things I say, and it was kind of mentioned by one of the other panelists, is that you have to think about what you do. It's not just what the law says that you, um, what your rights are, but it is what's real life, right? It, it means that you have to be a parent. And where there may have been, especially where the parents lived together at one point, and you had kind of like a distribution of labor, mom did this, dad did this, dad was a disciplinarian or mom was a disciplinarian, when you split, you kind of have to take what 100% of whatever the parenting means because that child is with you 100% of the day for X number of days a, a week. 
And in order for you to even, you know, ask for or be able to prove a certain amount of custody in some situations, you have to be able to demonstrate that you can kind of take over these things. And honestly, for the health of the child, it's important for you to to kind of think about that. So you can't turn on and turn off your parenting when the child isn't with you, and you can't turn on and turn off aspects of parenting when the child is with you just because the other parent was responsible for that. And that's something that I think is not just with single fathers, it's with fathers together. We have to, and mothers the same too, we have to be to some extent responsible for 100% of the parenting when it comes to our children. Excellent. Thank you. And I'm coming to Taiwan. When it comes to being a black man and raising children and being a father, what advice do you have for other black men? I had to narrow it down to one, I would say allow yourself to be vulnerable. And what I mean by that is uh, being raised where I was raised, uh, in the kind of war zone, kind of war that I was in, that is the war on drugs in America, uh, you learn a lot of machismo to guise the hurt. And the only way that your children want to have uh, three kids, I have uh, two sons, one daughter. The only way they learn is by exposing yourself and allowing yourself to be vulnerable in front of them. What I mean by that is they learn from your mistakes. Uh, My son, for instance, had an issue with a organization, and I went and took care of that organization. I I went and took care of the problem, rather. I went and spoke with the coach. And I brought my son with me, 16 years old. And I let him see how I interacted. Um, Pretty much as a black man, I let him know that you have to be a law professor (laughs) because you will be – held more accountable by the police and by the people around you because when I got into the debate with this this white gentleman I can't draw any conclusions but the first thing he threatened me with was to call the police and I didn't run <laughs> like I would have in the past because I have nothing to run about I'm 41 years old so I'm, I'm going through this uh, ordeal and my son's right there and you know it got heated at the end of the ordeal uh, I asked him I said where would you grade me and he said a B, and I said, I'm going to get myself a C minus. And I explained to him why. And so uh, I'm trying to teach through exposing myself by, by saying, hey, this is what daddy did. I made a mistake here. I could have handled this better. And I do the same with my daughter, it's, especially with black daughters. You have to allow yourself to be vulnerable because uh, one thing about a, a woman, a black woman in particular, her spirituality is everything and her expression is everything. And if you don't allow... Uh, a young woman to express to her father, a person who she looks up to as far as uh, guidance and even what she's going to look for in a man, then she will be seeking those uh, machismo, so-called hyper-masculine males, and that's something that you do not want. Excellent advice. Nikki, I'm coming to you. Black men, what do they need to know when it comes to fatherhood and raising children? Well, because I don't have any of my own, I can only speak from how my dad raised me. Um, I think the most important, just like the young man talked about, um, allowing your daughter, especially your daughter, to see you vulnerable, I think that is like the most rewarding thing that you can do for your son or your daughter, allowing the guard to come down and show that, you know, Superman can sometimes be superhuman. Um, and I've seen my dad cry maybe three times before. And um, when I graduated and then um, 
on the death of his father. So I definitely believe that showing vulnerability as um, a black man is very, very, very um, beneficial for you, um, for, for your children. Also, I think it's important that black parents in general show, um, not show, but teach their kids the ways of the world before the world teaches them the ways of the world. Uh, in that would be more in a loving environment than in the way we know how the world is with uh, black bodies. So teaching your kids uh, the law of the land before the law of the land teaches them. I think that's very, very important. That is very important. And Mr. Malcolm, I'm coming to you next. And we have a long list that we're putting together right now. So what can you add to the list when we talk about fatherhood and black men? Balance. I think balance is the most important thing. If you notice, a lot of the ideas the panelists mentioned come to somewhat overlap. So balance is important. You have to be an educator. You have to be um, emotionally involved. You have to be a disciplinary. You have to find that balance. Um, and I think that's where some of our fathers, from what I got gathered from you guys and my own dad, that's the thing that made them who they are. So depending on how their pie chart was set with all of those factors determined how we became. Um, so you have to find a way to balance that out. No one's perfect. So I believe one of the gentlemen said that he de-escalates. He takes his time away from his kids to de-escalate. So he doesn't say things that uh, he wouldn't want his children to hear. What I heard was he may have experienced that or he knows someone that has gone through that, they, they heard their parents speak of them in a way and it had long-term effects. Um, allowing yourself to be vulnerable. Um, some men have never seen their father in an emotional state, so they believe that's the way they should be, and society has taught them that a man isn't supposed to have certain emotions, which actually causes complications for them in the long run. So balance is going to be my answer. Excellent. And last but not least, Mr. Shaw, what can you add to fatherhood for black men? Okay. What I can add to that, um, going back, just piggybacking off of what Mr. Taiwan said, the branding, black men are a brand. So, you know, rebuilding our communities, that's needed. Uh, black men have that power and in my opinion need to be more cognizant of how to strengthen the black dollar in the economy through that leverage of being that brand. And like Ms. Nikki also stated, you know, black men are protected. And going back to my my history of remembering in the neighborhoods I grew up with like uh, the Black Panthers Bobby Seeley, Hugh P. Newton, who started that to protect the communities, okay, we need to get back to that. We need to rebuild our communities, and let's get back to that strong protector figure in our communities, which, for what I remember, was the black man. So those two things, I would love to see. And so the black man, that, that's something you need to know. Excellent. And you touched on where I'm going with the next topic, which is business and finance. Um, so I'll stay with you on that question. When we talk about business and finance specifically to that, um, what's one piece of advice you can give to the brothers when it comes to um, starting a business or working with their money? 
starting a business, working with the money as a black man, I just feel that the advice I could give is that for me, be confident because the platform is already out there and network with with each other. Sometimes uh, egos may fuel the vision within getting to the top and being successful. But networking, and I know the sisters, they do it a lot. You know, women's empowerment, black men's empowerment. Let us, you know, get to that building. And I know it's done. I've seen it's done. But it's not shown a lot because maybe, you know, Certain forces might not want to project that as a possibility, but it is possible, and and it can be done. And once people see that black men in businesses are building each other up, I think we're going to go much farther than we are right now as a people. And as economy, our money in the economy right now can take a different turn. And we could get our communities back, we could get our people back, Like one of the brothers said, um, Mr. Taiwan, you know, educating men uh, who are going to prisons, black men in businesses can build those men back up when they come back as returned citizens in the community. So that's my part. Excellent. So we want to be confident. We want to network. We want to give back to each other and build each other up. Miss Alicia, how do you add on to that when we talk about the brothers, men and business and finance? What is your advice? Um, well, it's kind of hard to add on to that because I think she touched on most of the more important points, and I think one being that we need to make sure that we kind of continue the cycle of education information by making sure that whatever we learn, we're kind of passing it along. I would say when you're thinking about it, think, when you're thinking about your family, think about it like a business. Um, when you're thinking about taking wealth and giving it to generations or even building wealth, for, where a lot of us, we're still first-generation everything. So as you're kind of sitting there and thinking about how do you do this, make a plan, write it down, have regularly scheduled meetings within your family that talk about business, that talk about wealth, that talk about finances, that talks about credit, that talks about bills. I think we have to continue to kind of educate ourselves in a way that is more systematic than what we're doing now. And if we're doing that within our families, I think it helps with the business as well because if you take a lot of the mindset and the way that businesses are governed and you apply it to the way that we're dealing with finances in our own home, we'll be able to strengthen ourselves tenfold by just kind of taking that discipline and taking those methods and applying it within the family and making sure that everyone, relative to their age and their understanding, has insight and input into the way that the family is growing as a business, as a source of wealth for the family, and even a source of funding for business endeavors for the family later. Excellent. Mr. Malcolm, when it comes to finances and and building the economy, um, what advice do you have for the black man? Mr. Malcolm, are you with us? Yes, sir, I'm here. I got a pass on that one. Okay, so I'm going to come to Nikki. What advice do you have when it comes to the economy and business and finance for the brothers? So I think that um, we've touched on it 
uh, droplets throughout the conversation, but finding that network, um, like, like the young lady said before, like black women have been doing, but black men have also, um, I just don't think what she said, it has been portrayed in the media. Um, currently in Baltimore, there's a group called male enterprise network. So it's spelled out men and they do, um, happy hours and, uh, brunches with other black men, entrepreneurs in the area, or men who would like to start a business but don't really know how. Um, and then you have tons of um, the Small Business Bureau. They they are really, really, really Small Business Association. They're really looking for um, African-American men and women to start businesses, and they all help give you money to fund those businesses um, as long as you have someone of color on your team. So I think we need to uh, take back the free advertisement or power that we've been giving to these um, corporations to use us because every single time, like, they literally sit there and try to dissect black Twitter. Like, black Twitter is a phenomenon now. It's just like, okay, so now you go there to find out all these ideas. Like, black Twitter is probably the most creative place I've ever seen. Like, they move so fast with, like, the memes or the videos or the skits or the T-shirts that come out of it. And it's just, like, so, like, we're so magical, and we need to harness that magic and use that magic to brand ourselves, to market ourselves, to funnel our communities um i just like for example black hair care that's a whole nother beast that we should definitely tap into more and more and more instead of giving it to these big corporations to tap into um our our ideals because we have such a huge buying power that it can we can definitely like control the economy if we really really sat down and hunker down and and did that. And just like Jay-Z said on 444, credit as well. We got to get back and learn more about credit and what does that mean and what does it mean when it's bad and what does it mean when it's good. So I think those are things we need to focus on. Excellent. And the hair care industry is dominated by Asians. Um, we should definitely be taking over the hair care industry yeah. for sure. So I'm going to come to yeah, Mr. Sure. Taiwan. Um, what advice would you give when it comes to business and finance to our black men? Uh, through education, I know now that black people, we've always set the tone for what the rest of the world follows. Uh, but I didn't know that then. And unfortunately, speaking of Asians, it took my wife, who is Asian, uh, Laos in, in particular, uh, to teach me about business and finance. And one thing by observation, what I noticed is when my wife needed some something done, sorry, as far as tattoos, her brother had a tattoo shop. He needed spring rolls. He went to his mother, who has a spring. You know, and, and that's they keep the money in the community. Uh, furthermore, I learned about branding. I've never seen uh, any of my my wife or my wife's family uh, have to go outside to a, a white person to do anything, to advertise anything. They did everything themselves. So, coming from my perspective, I come out of prison. I went to prison for a marijuana conspiracy. And I maintained my innocence, but it was a situation where if I didn't take that plea agreement, I could have got 30 years. When I come out of prison, I was clueless about what I was going to do. Fortunately, I had my wife. Well, I've been married to my wife 20 years, and I learned from them. I said, you know what? No, I, nobody will hire me. I can make my own lane. And when I learned social media and what that is, it is literally a way to, to brand and to advertise yourself. 
And so the knowledge of self that I, I spoke about was understanding your lane, understanding what your niche is, and what the, the, the demand of society is. So I looked at myself. I said, okay, hey, what's my brand and what's the demand out there? Okay, I'm really in shape. Women say I am, I'm handsome. Okay, fine. How can I use this? What's the, the, the demands I can meet out there? Okay, fitness, the fitness industry is booming. Fine. Okay, I can use my brand myself the way I look to promote myself in the fitness industry. Okay, what else can I get? Uh, I started off there in fitness, and through fitness, four years later, I'm getting my first big feature film. So what I learned was it doesn't even matter, you know, if, if, if you know the field. If you have insert, fit a certain demand, just do it, and the rest will come. Because the spiritual thing about this is if you think it and you put it in the works, the rest will happen. And that's what I've been. I've been grinding for the last four and a half years and honing your craft. Once I found that I had something, I said, okay, if I if this is what my brand is, I have to make myself the best at it. And so that's my advice for, for, for anybody, uh, for any black man out there. You are the brand. You are the brand. Find your lane, perfect your, your craft, and then sell yourself. You don't have to use anybody else around you. Nobody will hire me because I had the scarlet letter F on my record. And I made it away out of, out of myself. And I, unfortunately, it took people from another race to show me uh, the value of keeping money uh, in, in, in the black community. Excellent. So I'm going to come to Mr. Eric. And it's the same question. When it comes to business and finance, what advice do you have for black men? I would say save as much as you can. Um, find different ways to invest. Um, they have a lot of different uh, wonderful investment apps where you can take a percentage out of your paycheck, maybe five, ten, fifteen dollars, and 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 set that aside also, and just invest in different, you know, things like stocks and CDs and things of that nature. There's so much available as far as these different type of investment apps. I would say just try to save as much as you possibly can, but also invest put some things into stocks and, 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 and other areas. And as the gentleman said, um, I'm a big supporter of self-employment. I reside in North Carolina um, at this particular time, but I was born and raised in Brooklyn, New York. It's like night and day. Um, I've worked harder than any other period in my life in 12 years since I moved to the South than I did when I lived in New York City. So I am doing things right now to become fully self-employed um, because the opportunities that I feel that I deserve, I'm not getting. So if there's a gift, there's a passion that you have, as the gentleman says, put everything behind it, become very proficient at what you do, and just continue to, to, to move forward. Excellent. So the last topic I want to cover, and I'm going to combine them, is health, education, and spirituality. Um, and I'm going to come to Tashaw first. When we talk about health, education, and spirituality, you can pick either or combine your answer with all of that. Um, what advice do you have for black men when we relate to health, education, and spirituality? The advice that I would give black men regarding that combination is that they're all 
interwoven. And you have to balance all of them. Education doesn't always mean schooling. It could mean knowledge. It could mean that, okay, like the panelists said, you have a skill, educate yourself to better that skill, empower that skill, fuel that skill, and share that skill with others. You have to be healthy, like the fitness guru is talking about on this panelist. You have to be healthy within yourself. You have to take care of yourself first. And in my opinion, the foundation of that is spirituality. That, that is so important. You know, our ancestors before us, honoring them, whatever your, your quote-unquote religion or walk of faith is, or even if you don't have either one, that spirituality is the foundation that fuels everything else. But you have to create a balance of all three. So I'm sure the other panelists are waiting to give their um, feedback, and I'm sure they'll expound on those three areas um, as well. But for me, it's creating that balance with all of that together. Excellent. So I'm coming to Miss Nikki. So Miss Nikki, when it comes to health, education, and spirituality, what advice do you have for black men? Um, wow. So I agree that all of those are interwoven because just like um, the young man said before about him not being educated in the ways of um, just knowing about certain things and you had to find that through someone else. When we have education, then you, when you know better, you do better, right? So if you know that, for example, even going outside and getting some fresh air or the importance of getting sunlight and what that means for your body and your wellness or meditation and what does that mean for your body and your wellness or um, even drinking uh, water or having, like, certain things in your household um, that can help with your your health. For example, cooking more with olive oil or doing this or that. And that all inter, interweaves into education and spirituality and wellness because once your mind is fed, your body feels well, and you can go ahead and expound on that in the community and teach others how to better themselves in their wellness and their education and pass that on. I'm definitely a proponent of lift as we climb. We have to pull others up and you have to get yourself right. And then you get the community right. And then we can make everybody right. (laughs) You're absolutely right. (laughs) So I'm going to come to Malcolm. So Malcolm, when we talk about health, education and spirituality, how does that relate to you as a black man? I mean, it goes all back to balance once again. Your spirituality, your mental health, you have to educate yourself, have knowledge of self, understand what you can allow and what you can't allow, such as what you eat, what you consume, whether it be not only eating. So what type of media do you consume, what you read, what you watch? You have to have a a, a stronghold on all of those things just to maintain your every day, just to succeed and excel. Got it. Now I'm coming to Miss Alicia. When it comes to 
health, education, spirituality. Um, how does the black man relate to any of those issues? And you can combine all three, but I want you to give me like specifics on what they can do to better their health, to better their education, to better their spirituality. So definitely when it comes to education, again, one of the panelists said that it's much more than just books. It's, it's more of life. You know, I definitely sit back and, again, having three sons, you know, seeing what they pick up from my husband, you know, just things I, I don't know as a woman that I'm sure I would learn and figure out if I had to. But there's so much that our children just pick up and are educated just through watching us. And I think we have to be cognizant of that as well, that we're teaching even when we're not realizing that we're teaching. And then, um, as one of the other panelists said, it's about supplementing. You know, school is a good foundation. It's definitely good for teaching some technical things that, you know, we may not be equipped to, to teach. One of the things I learned as a mother is that I was not really good at teaching small kids how to read. You know, I didn't have, that was not my, my strong suit. But there are other things that I need to know. You know, that's a foundation. I need to know what they're teaching my children, and I need to add on to that. These are the books. These are the these are the things I want them to understand and learn, in addition to what they're learning in school. And what fathers can really do, and what black men can really do, is make sure that you're present. I'm on the PTA board. I'm part of a liaison committee between the school board, and I attend the school board meetings. There's so much information about the plans for the school district, for the schools, the curriculum, the teachers that are, that are right there if you attend those meetings. And not as many fathers are there, period, and definitely, unfortunately, not as many black fathers are there, period. So being active in those spaces and having your voice heard or at the very least knowing what's coming down a pipeline is a very real thing that you can do that will take maybe an hour of your day a week sometimes. Mm -hmm. But I think that it's important for our black men to show up in those spaces to let them know that we are there, we are listening, and that we are taking these back to our children. Excellent advice. When we talk about health, we got to be concerned with the environment as well and what's going on in our communities. Um, and that's similar to what's going on in our educational field. If we're not present, if we're not there voting and a part of the process, um, we kind of get left out and we get the short end of the stick. So I do agree with all of that that you said. And I'm coming to Mr. Eric. So when we talk about health, education and spirituality, what advice do you have for the black man? Well, as far as your health, I would I would give the advice of what my mom gave me over 20 years ago. She said, Eric, your body is like a car. Uh, if you don't take care of it now, it will break down later. And I do not smoke. I do not drink. Um, I exercise at least four times per uh, week. So my advice is to take care of your body. Don't put anything in your body that can... Uh, provide some type of that can cause some type of future harm as far as spirituality we have to believe in a power that's higher than us um we're just living in a very difficult time right now where faith and hope um really have to be leaned on even even more uh and as far as education um education as far as your children or yourself, don't ever strive to stop learning. Um, that is one of the great joys of living is when you're learning. That's something that gives me a lot of a, a great deal of confidence and pleasure is when I'm learning something new. And um, I would say that's my advice for those three particular areas. 
Outstanding. And last but not least, Mr. Taiwan, when it comes to health, education and spirituality, what advice do you have for the black man? Well, speaking from personal experience, my spirituality, my spiritual awakening put me at a direct odds with religion. And when I understood the history of religion and that empires as far back as the Roman Empire have used religion to subjugate people, I understood a more sinister meaning behind. Uh, when you say health, through my spirituality, I took a revolutionary mind state, meaning after I compiled the evidence and done my research, I believe this America period deliberately poisons us with the kind of foods we eat. I had rejected the idea of meals. I understand that uh, meat, particularly red meat, is not good for our digestive system. Um, and I do all of this not by listening to the, the, the blog and the people that's out there that control the narrative. I do empirical evidence. And so through empirical evidence, through going through this journey myself, I'm 41 years old. You can you can check me out. Uh, my, my Instagram handle is MDK, the actor, all one word. I'm 41 years old. I'm in the best shape of my life. I, I, I look in better shape than 20-something-year-olds. And it's only because in the last two months, I've already had the knowledge, but I wasn't applying the knowledge. I knew you weren't supposed to eat these things. I knew as a black man, us coming from that tropical diet, that our bodies were not meant to, meant to process the same kind of meat that, that Neanderthal man can, can eat. We fall in a different category. Uh I'm in the best shape of my life. I've never been in this kind of shape, and you can watch my journey live, I mean, from the beginning when I started. It's killing us. Nobody wants to say that. The way we were raised is killing us. How we were taught is killing us. Uh, there is no way that you can fence this milk. We're raised with saying, okay, milk does your body good. I remember campaigns where, you know, you couldn't, even in schools, the first thing they gave you was a chocolate milk. I go back that far. Uh, that, to me, is appalling, now that I know that you're not even drinking real milk. You're drinking cow pus. <laughs> They're not even giving you the real milk. And if the FDA can approve such <laughs> buffoonery, then you have to take the approach, a, revolution, a revolutionary mind state, and say, these people are trying to kill us. And you have to be that extreme. You have to be like that, because if you don't, some people, if you, if you don't put it to them like that, they will not act. When I tell you that's the way you eat, I'm not saying be a vegan. I'm just saying experiment with yourself. And if you feel great after not eating meat for, let's say, a month and you feel the greatest you ever felt, then there is some kind of credence you have to give that. And as far as uh, health, spirituality, and education, the best education I did for myself was educating myself. That's the best education. I've been to, I've been to college. I have my I have a degree, uh, but the best education I did was knowledge of self. When I had knowledge of self, when you get knowledge of self, you understand that you have a bigger duty to your community. My knowledge of self, my spirituality, puts me in direct uh, conflict with my marriage because I take more time trying to help my community, just as my wife does so unconsciously. <laughs> you know so. I'm going to say all those things in, in combination, and uh, if you really want to save your life, you will comply to the diet that your ancestors had, because it wasn't the diet that we come here that was given to us by our oppressors and by the religion that we adhere to in America. 
So, Taiwan, if people want to find you, where can they go? Uh, they can they can go to my I got two Instagram uh, pages. One is a more mystic, one is more radical, and I put a lot of stuff on there that gets me in trouble. But I'm going to take you the one to go to MDK, the actor, all one word, uh, and and they can find me on Instagram, and that will ultimately lead you to my other page if you are into radical things of that nature. Thank you, and Miss Nikki, if people want to find you, where can they go? Yep, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at the Urban Tea, and you can also check out the Remedy Podcast for weekly. So everywhere you can get a podcast, you can find us. Excellent, and Miss Alicia, uh, I'll give you my personal uh, Twitter and Instagram because it links to all my podcasts and everything else. Uh, my initials A A K and then E S Q for Esquire. So A A K E S Q on Twitter and IG. Excellent. Now I'm coming to Mr. Malcolm. If people want to contact you and find you, where can they go? Um, first name, last name, um, Malcolm underscore X underscore choice, like you made the right choice. Got it. And Mr. Eric, if people want to find you, contact you, and know about your business, The Good Fatherhood Forever, where can they go? Good Fatherhood Forever. Dot com and the email address is goodfatherhood the number four ever at gmail.com we are in the process right now of doing a membership drive and all the information is on there thank you excellent thank you and mr shaw if people want to find you and or purchase your book where can they go okay if you want to find me my name is unique so it's lt as in tom o S-H-A-R. So it's Tashar.net, and that's my website. If you want to buy a book, it will be autographed with um, some nice gifts in there for your purchase. Uh, you can, I can be emailed at booksbytashar at gmail.com. I love to put daily entries as much as I can on my Instagram page, welfare underscore that's T-O underscore queen. Facebook is just Welfare to Queen, and I'm also available for speaking engagements. Thank you for having me, Tyler. Thank you. You're welcome, and thank you, guys. As always, you can go to our resource page on our website, which is the Black Pill Radio. 90 seconds. Which is theblackpillradio.com. On our resource page, I will have all the guests who are on the broadcast, and I will have all their contact information and social social media information so you guys can find them. Also, check out our video lessons, which are on blackpillradio.com and YouTube, where you can have some one-on-one video lessons that are being delivered by people who look like us and the messages are for us. I want to thank you guys for being on the broadcast. As always, we are live every first and third Sunday morning of each month. 60 seconds. So we are live every first and third Sunday morning of each month from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. And if you need to contact us, the email is info at blackpillradio.com. Hope all is well, and I will talk to you guys soon. And thank you for being on the broadcast.